Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Tonight on The Readout. Did Mr. Trump know about this uh, reimbursement method? Oh, he knew about everything, yes. Thank you, Mr. Cohen. So the president not only knew about the payments, he knew and helped to hide the payments and the reimbursements to you. Yeah, we discussed it. Everything had to go through Mr. Trump, and it had to be approved by Mr. Trump. And now you're going to prison, and he's... And I'm going to prison, yes, ma'am. More than four years after Michael Cohen made those remarks, a Manhattan grand jury is preparing to vote soon on an indictment of Donald Trump. And as we wait their decision, there are several major developments on other fronts. A judge says the special counsel has provided sufficient evidence that Donald Trump committed a crime through his attorneys in the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case. And that Trump attorney Evan Corcoran should be compelled to tell a grand jury everything he knows about that alleged criminal misconduct. Good evening, I'm Jason Johnson in for Joy Reid, and we begin tonight with the Trump indictment watch. It's still a waiting game. Today was the day many thought the grand jury would reconvene and possibly vote to charge Donald Trump in the Stormy Daniels hush money scheme. But instead, two sources familiar with the matter told NBC News the Manhattan District Attorney's Office is planning to bring the grand jury back to continue their work tomorrow. Meanwhile, Trump is fixated on the optics. Sources told The Guardian that Trump wants to be handcuffed when he makes an appearance in court because making this a spectacle is exactly what a television president would want. The far more serious matter is the peril of facing a prosecution of this kind and what these challenges could mean for the organization that's tied his identity around a man who could serve time. The other cases involving Donald Trump are piling up as well and getting increasingly dire for him. There's the Justice Department criminal probe of January 6th, Fulton County's investigation over whether Trump and his allies illegally meddled in the election in Georgia, the lawsuit over Trump business practices in New York, as well as the Mar-a-Lago classified documents probe that prompted a major clash between Trump attorneys and the Justice Department involving a D.C. appeals court. U.S. District Judge Beryl Howell, based in Washington, D.C., ruled in favor of ordering Trump lawyer Evan Corcoran to testify before the federal grand jury. The development was first reported by ABC News. Today, NBC News confirmed that special counsel Jack Smith's office presented sufficient evidence to establish that Trump committed a crime through his attorneys. Trump's team appealed the ruling, resulting in an extraordinary overnight standoff where the Trump team had until midnight to file an appeal with the government responding by 6 a.m. It now appears Team Trump lost. NBC News confirmed today which will likely force the Trump attorney, Evan Corcoran, to provide documents or testify to a federal grand jury in the criminal probe. The DOJ has declined to comment, and Corcoran did not respond to NBC's request for comment. But we're talking historical legal scrutiny for a former president, and to break it all down, I have a super team. I have, I have the Avengers of legal teams here, and I'm going to need them because I'm no Captain America. I'm joined by Neil Kachel, former acting solicitor general, Georgetown law professor and MSNBC legal analyst Suzanne Craig, 
New York Times investigative reporter and MSNBC political contributor Hugo Lowell, political investigations reporter for The Guardian, and Paul Butler, former federal prosecutor, Georgetown law professor, and MSNBC legal analyst. Thank you so much. Paul, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to ask the simple question. I'm going to ask the question that I heard at the barbershop today in preparation for today's show. (laughs) Is he going to jail for this? That's that's just the first thing that regular people ask before we get into specifics. Is Donald Trump going to jail for this? Probably not. That would be a question for the judge if he ends up being both prosecuted and convicted. But what we are hearing about the legal theory would be either a misdemeanor or a low-level felony. In New York State, people don't go to prison for that if it's a first-time offense. Okay. Um, Neil, you, you sent a tweet earlier this week. But I, I, again, I've been following all this and following all of you, where you said it's just it's amazing, if I get this actually correct, You've not sure you've ever seen a 6 a.m. deadline before in court. And I have to agree with you. I, it, it seems strange to me to say, OK, you got to get this in by midnight. You got to respond by six. They're ser- seriously assuming that everybody's got to stay awake all night. What does that mean? What does it mean that a judge would say, hey, you guys have six hours to respond to this. We need to get moving on it. Is it is it indicative of uh, a concern that too much time has already been wasted? Is it the seriousness of the crimes that are being investigated? What does explain the sort of haste that we're now seeing with this case? So we're talking now about not what you were talking to, Paul, my colleague, about about what's going on in New York with Alvin Bragg, but rather what's going on in Washington, D.C., and the investigation into Trump stealing, you know, potentially hundreds of documents that some of which were very, very sensitive national security matters. And what happened is that last week on Friday, a judge in D.C., Judge Howell, very respected judge, said basically that Trump's attorney in that dispute, um, Corcoran, uh, that Evan Corcoran, that he had to turn over his information in um, including audio tapes and conversations with the president, with the former president, because uh, they contained evidence of, pata- of, of criminal wrongdoing. So normally, attorneys have very strong uh, attorney-client privilege with their clients for the best of reasons. When I have a client coming in to meet with me, they should feel free to tell me their story, what happened, and the like, and not have to worry that that I'm going to then go have to tell it to the authorities later on. But there's an exception called the crime fraud exception, and that exception occurs when you're using your attorney to further to further commit a crime. So if you know my client comes in and gives me a bunch of drugs and sells send, sell them says to me sell them, then obviously that I don't get immunity for that, and neither does uh, the client, and both of us can go to jail. So what Judge Howell said last week is it's looking like that scenario. It's looking like Donald Trump was committing crimes through his attorney, or perhaps the attorney uh, himself was potentially liable. You know, we don't know the details, all the details, but the bottom line is that's what Trump tried to appeal yesterday evening. And then the Court of Appeals, this is our nation's second highest court. It's an incredibly sober court. Um, I've never seen them do this. They said, okay, government, you have to respond by 6 a.m., so just like seven hours after the order came in at about 11 p.m., and write why Trump is wrong on this. So they did that. The government's attorneys stayed up all night. They said Trump is wrong. And lo and behold, this court by three to nothing vote said Trump is wrong, that these documents and these audio tapes by Corcoran have to go to Jack Smith, the special counsel who's investigating the stolen documents. 
Hugo, I want to follow up with you on this. You know, th- this idea of attorneys being, I guess, sort of wrapped up in, in the criminality of Donald Trump has always been something sort of amazing to me because you would think that attorneys are not just thinking about, okay, how's the best way to represent my client, but they also have to be thinking about their own sort of professional and, 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 and legal and financial future. What are the sort of implications here, not just for this particular case with, with Trump and the documents, but for the rest of his lawyers? Is this sort of a shot across the bow that other lawyers working for Trump might now, right now might be worried that they, too, could be dragged into this case in a criminal way? Well, let's start with Evan Corcoran, because the reality for him is when he goes to testify before the federal grand jury in Washington, uh, we understand on Friday about his notes and about the conversations that he had with Trump about what steps they took to ensure that all the classified mark documents at Mar-a-Lago were returned to the government. You know, he could end up eventually testifying against his own client. And that is something that the rest of the Trump legal team are very acutely aware of. And they're very acutely aware of it in part because other members of the Trump legal team have already ended up testifying before the grand jury. In fact, Evan Corcoran is just one of three Trump lawyers who have testified before the grand jury in the documents case. Uh, you know, the others being Christina Bob, who is also implicated in the, uh, the, the incomplete compliance, shall we say, of the uh, grand jury subpoena last year. Uh, and Alina Harbour, another Trump lawyer who actually searched through Trump's office um, in connection to a separate legal uh, matter. And so, you know, this is something that has been an issue for a long time. You know, we have talked previously on this show and elsewhere about how, you know, MAGA increasingly seems to stand for make attorneys get attorneys. And I think, you know, this is the latest iteration of that. I just wanted to come back very quickly, though, to what kind of Neil was saying um, just now. Uh, part of the reason we understand that the order to uh, file briefs in the appeal was so quick was because Judge Howell's initial order instructed Evan Corcoran to produce the notes to the government by Wednesday. So that would be today. And it seems like the appeals court wanted to rule on a or consider a potential appeal before that deadline expired. Suzanne, I want to talk to you a little bit about this because I I think for some of the for for people who are absolutely dedicated to this and definitely want to see Trump punished, all this may seem simple. But you know, it, it, there's a New York yeah. Times article talking about the legal intricacies that could make or break the hush money case against Trump. The false business records charge is the bread and butter of the district attorney offices. Uh, white collar practice since Mr. Bragg took office in 2022. Prosecutors have filed 117 felony counts on the charge against 29 individuals and companies. Prosecutors must show that Mr. Trump's intent to defraud included an intent to commit or conceal a second crime. That crime could be a violation of election law. Break down what that means sort of for just regular people. Is, is, is it basically Trump did something bad and then we have to prove that it's electorally bad? Um, what does this actually mean as far as how these intricacies may play out um, should this indictment and this arrest come? Right. And I think we have to do the disclosure at the beginning is we don't really know what's coming and ex- right. th- there could be additional charges and, and that sort of thing. But you've got a misdemeanor, which is the creating of the false business record. And, and that's, that is bread and butter stuff. And that is charged. But they are trying to then tie it to the concealing of this hush money payment. But we don't know in there, there could be other things that they have. There's been discussion. And, and this just comes back to a, a basic thing is when you create a false business record, 
why are you doing it? And one reason to do it may be for tax reasons. So there could be a tax implication in here that could get him in additional trouble. These are things we don't know. We're going to find out when the indictment comes down. Um, but that's sort of where we're at with it. And there's a lot of unknowns. They could have found other evidence. You know, this case is kind of gone up and gone down in terms of just the popularity, for lack of a better word for it, in that office, should they bring it, should they not bring it, they could have found additional evidence that could make it a more serious crime. Um, but you it, you're, you summed it up at the beginning in terms of the essence of it, and I'm just sort of kind of now reaching around for other things that may come into it. Paul, I'm going to ask you this, because we're looking at multiple cases, right? So you've got the one that we're sort of waiting for, which is the hush money with Stormy Daniels. Then we've got the other case with Mar-a-Lago, where they just had to have the appeals. And we've got what's happening with business practices in general in New York. And then we've got what's happening in Mar-a-Lago. Trump has to have a pretty sort of advanced legal team defending him in multiple places at multiple times. Is it, it, are they coordinating? Does one hand know what the other hand is doing? I mean, because part of this seems to me that you can't be lying in all these different places without possibly lying to some of the same people. So how is he coordinating this? Or is he basically just flying by the seat of his pants and hoping he can stall and, and keep juggling all these plates? So what Trump is doing is one thing, and he probably is flying by the seat of his pants and not listening to his lawyers. Mm. What the lawyers are doing is a separate matter. Uh, I think the case in New York is quite different uh, from the other three cases, those being D.A. Willis, her investigation in Georgia about whether Trump uh, committed election uh, interference and right. the special counsel's investigation of Mar-a-Lago, whether Trump hoarded documents and January 6th. Manhattan mainly involves Trump's conduct before he became president. It has a lot to do with hush money payments, which are not illegal in New York. So as you mentioned, it has to be tied to a different theory. Still think that is a case of when, not if. But again, the jury, the grand jury in New York has heard from seven witnesses that we know about, probably looked at tons of documents. Remember, when the DA inherited this case from the former DA, Vance, and he kind of slow walked it because he wanted to do his own investigation. After two years, I doubt that there are new facts that will come to light, but the DA's office may still be tinkering with a legal theory. The other three investigations, again, Mar Largo and the, uh, the um, uh, January 6th. Right. Uh, those are much more consequential, and the Georgia investigation relates, obviously, to the January 6th investigation that Jack Smith is doing. I still doubt that there's much coordination between the state DA, Willis, mm -hmm. and the federal prosecutor, Jack Smith. Hugo, one of the things that you reported, and I, I tend to assiduously avoid trying to read Donald Trump's mind. I, it's It's a crazy rat's nest of nonsense and lies. And I try to avoid that to the best of my ability and speculating. But you reported that he, he wants this sort of visual spectacle. He wants to actually uh, be arrested and handcuffed. You know, why? why? Why does the former president want to be arrested in handcuffs? Why does he want that spectacle? How does that serve him? Because it seems to me that the people who support Donald Trump, they support him no matter what. They would support him if he shot someone in the head on Fifth Avenue, as he said when he was running for president. The people who don't like the, pre the former president and recognize that he is a criminal and, and an existential danger to this country, they're not going to be changed by that one way or another. Why does he want that imagery? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really a reflection of Trump's own personal 
uh, unique anxieties and fears that are coming to the fore. Uh, you know, when we spoke to people around Trump in, in the kind of past few days about what he's thinking about the Manhattan DA case and, and kind of how he wants to approach it, you know, he has increasingly become resigned to the fact that he's probably going to get indicted. And so his reasoning has been, well, if I'm going to get indicted and I have to, you know, go for fingerprinting and I have to get a mugshot anyway and go to New York, then I want to turn into a spectacle because I want to show defiance and I want to show defiance that might galvanize my supporters. It's all about what he perceives, you know, his supporters perceiving him. Um, in many ways, it's kind of twisted around. You know, you like to think that Trump uh, leads the base, but in, I think in many ways, it's, he responds to the way that the base uh, perceives him. And so, what ultimately comes out is he doesn't want to look weak to them. He doesn't want to look like a loser. And, you know, we, we put in the story that when Trump's team and Trump's uh, lawyers, who are very much vehemently against this idea of him getting handcuffed, um, suggested, you know, there were a whole bunch of security concerns about him coming up to New York. He said something along the lines of, well, you know, I don't care if they shoot me, I'll be a martyr. So I think that kind of sums up where his head is at right now. I don't think he's really trying to take a shot. Uh, our panel is staying with us because we still got lots to talk about when it comes to Trump's legal woes. The readout continues right after this. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Hey, parents. Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. Our panel is back with us, Neil Katyal, Suzanne Craig, Hugo Lowell, and Paul Butler. Neil, I'll start with you. When I look at, at all these different cases, when I look at Mar-a-Lago, when I look at January 6th, when I look at Georgia, when I look at New York, I mean, there's, 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 a, there's a rap sheet longer than some, like Ice Cube's records, just, just a rap sheet all throughout all these different potential things that Trump is being investigated for. One of the questions that sort of hits me is, is, is his sort of handling of these cases also opening him up to future investigations. And what do I mean by that? How is he paying for all this? He's already been shown to be the kind of person that, that lies to his own lawyers. He's obviously at this point going to be absolutely uninsurable. No bank in this country would ever want to give this man money again. He's absolutely the kind of person who would be pursued or, or, or at least get the interest of foreign agencies. Is it possible that there are other investigations that could come out about Donald Trump because of how he's managing his current investigations? Yeah, exactly. So Donald Trump is a serial lawbreaker and someone who has no respect for law enforcement or for you know, kind of ordinary, normal processes. And so you're seeing some of the fruits of that, you know, bear out now with these four different 
criminal investigations into him. So I do think that, you know, that that is a, a feature of who Donald Trump is, um, who he always will be. The thing about it is it creates all this collateral damage because it means every attorney he works with now has to get an attorney, basically. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, you know, I don't actually know Trump attorneys who don't themselves have attorneys. And some of the attorneys for the attorneys have to have attorneys too to defend <laughs> them. So we're already three levels into this uh, thing. And, you know, I, no, no sign that it's going to stop. And Trump is known for not paying his legal bills and stuff like that. So, you know, some of these attorneys also may have, you know, particular things that they're upset about him with. So that's one thing. The other is, I think Trump knows this. And that's why you know, you had asked earlier, are the four different legal teams that Trump using coordinating? I suspect they're not. I think Paul Butler is absolutely right on that. But they are coordinating in the sense of they know Trump's modus operandi. They know his main playbook. And his main playbook is delay, delay, delay. So we've just seen it this week in Georgia. They filed a kind of cockamamie, to use the legal term, uh, uh, filing in Georgia to try and stop the grand jury from indicting him. That isn't going anywhere as a legal matter, but it's all just an attempt to try and stay things, bring the case to the Georgia Court of Appeals, and then perhaps to the Georgia Supreme Court. Even this thing today, which Trump lost in the D.C. Circuit, our nation's second highest court, on the Mar-a-Lago search and Trump's attorney's records with respect to that, Trump may decide to bring it to the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court. There is some reporting that he's not inclined to do that. Um, I'll believe that when I see it. I mean, Trump has never... Um, missed an opportunity to file a bogus appeal. Um, he certainly is not a master of the art of the appeal. Um, and um, and so, you know, I, I suspect that we will see a filing in the U.S. Supreme Court, despite what some of the signals are right now. So it's all about delay, and it's all about trying to push the day of reckoning back as far as he can, and then have this narrative that people are just out to get him. I mean, I don't think anyone held a gun to his head and said, you've got to pay this uh, Ms. Stormy Daniels $130,000 for what you did with her days before the election, you know, so, you know, you know I think there's a lot of voluntary conduct in what's been uh, alleged. Yeah, these, these, are, these are unforced errors. Um, and, and to, you know, a lot of these things that we've been talking about are, are legal or electoral or ethical problems. But honestly, one of the cases that's always been most distressing to me about Trump is uh, the, the, the rape trial with Gene Carroll. And, and Suzanne, I want to ask you about this. This is, this is I, I think, another key case that really we need to be focusing on attention on. Uh, Judge Louis A. Kaplan of Manhattan ruled that he would allow the Access Hollywood tape and testimony by two other women who say Trump attacked them sexually to be included in next month's trial. I, I, Susan, one, how yeah. significant is this that that tape is coming back and is going to become a part of sort of this trial? But two, in the, all the grander scheme of things, what does it also say that we're dealing with a former president who's not just a habitual lawbreaker, not just a man who attempted to overthrow the government, but he is morally debased as well and assaults women? Well, that that case is going to be interesting. It's civil, of course, you know, and it, I think through Donald Trump's life, one of the things you have seen, and, and this is why the, the hush money payment is is so different, it's criminal. Most of the, the cases that he's been involved with have been civil. And then what separates them 
but you know, with the E. Jean Carroll is actually going to trial, with the most of the time he gets into to trouble and there's a civil a civil matter. Sometimes it can be settled and he decides to fight fight it and he wastes a huge amount of time when it should have just been settled. But these are marching towards trial. The E. Jean Carroll case is coming up. He in October is facing a huge, huge case with the New York Attorney General. It's uh, potentially $250 million. That's what they're seeking. I don't sense that there is uh, any any move to settle that. And that will be hugely damaging to him if it goes against him. Um, and that's over the valuation, you know, it, you know, where he's inflating assets if he wants to get a loan and, and he's depressing them if he's going to the tax man to avoid a, a tax bill. And that is a civil case, but it also, you know, Alvin Bragg has, has and the Manhattan DA, more, more so Cy Vance, his predecessor, has looked at that case and whether to bring a criminal case there. I wouldn't say that is dead right now, but it's, um, you know, maybe it's on the back burner, um, but they could also move forward with that in the criminal realm. But these civil cases can, can be, you know, normally he settles them too or going to trial just this year. You know, and Paul, you know, this is something that occurred to me also that Neil talked about. When you've got this person who uh, used to be able to settle, right? Now can't seem to settle cases. People are like, look, we're out, we're out for blood. We're going we're gonna to hold you accountable. Uh, then you've got someone who's a habitual liar, right? Who also doesn't pay people that he works with. And, and now you've got this case with uh, Joe Tapakina, who is one of, one of Trump's lawyers, who is now in trouble again for possibly sort of a, 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 a massive sort of miscarriage of ethics and justice. I want to play you this audio uh, of his lawyer and then get your comments on the other side. This guy may have worked with Stormy Daniels. Now he's working with Trump. Well, yes, if there's an issue with, with that payment to Stormy Daniels being that it was made on behalf of the candidate, okay, and it was not declared, that's fair game. Well, Michael Cohen, again, um, has made statements that would give rise to suspicion. It's an illegal agreement. It's a fraud. Um, if, if that's in fact the case, so you got a guy who's working with Trump now, who had communication with Stormy Daniels before. I, I mean, is this just gross incompetence? Are these people just greedy? Do they not recognize that 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 we got tapes and receipts? They've been on television. What what can explain this kind of incompetence? Uh, nothing can explain it. It's a textbook conflict of interest. Our criminal legal system and our civil legal system depend on a person who needs a lawyer being able to talk to her in confidence. And that's what judges try to protect. But you can't use a lawyer to commit a crime or try to hide a crime that you've committed. That's a, there's a crime fraud exception. But there's also important rules about lawyers not having conflicts with their own clients. And in this case, it's possible that Trump's attorney in Manhattan could have to cross-examine Stormy Daniels, and he could be able to use information that she told him in confidence. You know, going back to this concern about Trump, and I hope I have the get to do the, the perp walk, and should I smile uh, when I have my mugshot taken— I don't know where he's getting this bravado from. Even in his civil litigation, if we heard from Suzanne, he usually settles, which is a, a loss. So this bravado, I think, when he's charged, if he's charged in a criminal case, will quickly exit. He's sounding now like a a, a thug in an old school hip hop movie. It's almost like you expect him to say, if I'm convicted, I can do this time in my sleep. The New York case will be called People versus New York. A federal case will be called United States of America 
versus Trump. I'm sorry, and the state case would be called people versus Trump. If you hear people versus Trump, if you hear U.S. versus Trump, that's very sobering. When Trump is actually charged, if he's actually charged, things are going to get real serious real quick. Neil Cattell, Suzanne Craig, Paul Butler, and Hugo Lowell, thank you so much for starting us today on The Readout. Republicans are twisting themselves into knots trying to come up with ways to defend Trump without actually proclaiming his innocence. It's been really entertaining. More on that next on The Readout. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. Your thoughts on the possible indictment of former President Trump? Obviously, completely political exercise. I think it's disgusting. I think it's terrible for our country. It's bad for America generally. This, I believe, is the epitomization of the weaponization of the federal government uh, and departments against uh, political opponents. Yeah, it's going to blow up our country, and this is a bunch of BS. Donald Trump hasn't even been indicted yet, but the Republican organization is already playing defense. GOP lawmakers are unsurprisingly standing steadfast behind the twice-impeached former president, crying sham and political persecution, while some in the MAGA base are taking it one step further, comparing the potential indictment of Trump to Jesus Christ. One lawyer who is representing a handful of January 6th defendants tweeting, quote, President Trump will be arrested during Lent, a time of suffering and purification for the followers of Jesus Christ. As Christ was crucified and then rose again on the third day, so too will Donald Trump. I must have missed the part in the Bible where Jesus paid hush money to a porn star. And clearly Donald Trump isn't a black man with locks, so I don't see the Jesus comparison. Then there's Fox host Tucker Carlson, who, as we know from the Dominion court filings, has admitted to lying to his viewers and even hating Trump passionately. Well, Carlson is now apparently very concerned about the possibility of a Trump arrest. And last night made a plea of sorts to President Biden asking him to save Donald Trump. And if that happens... America will never be the same. You've got to hope that for the sake of the country, the Biden White House, which will be running against Trump, will put the country above partisanship and stop this. That Merrick Garland at DOJ will issue a very public statement saying that this is wrong, which it is, and therefore preserve for our grandchildren our justice system. And remember, this is not the first time that Tucker has begged a Biden for help. Remember, he went to Hunter Biden to help his son get into Georgetown. Joining me now is Michael Steele, MSNBC political analyst and former chairman of the RNC, and Stuart Stevens, senior advisor to the Lincoln Project and MSNBC contributor. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining us on The Readout tonight. Michael, I will start with you. I'm not shocked by any Republicans <laughs> who are decided that they're going to defend Donald Trump. 
I'm not shocked by the hypocrisy that the same people who were screaming lock her up about Hillary Clinton for two and a half years are now saying that Donald Trump should be found innocent. What I am curious about is this. In a time where Donald Trump has tons of legal fees, tons of major cases of varying importance hanging over his head, why wouldn't ambitious Republicans in the media and the organization be trying to eke out their own path to get away from this guy? I, I, I don't understand tr- strategically the need to still associate yourself with someone who seems to be in so much trouble. Well, first off, I love how you started this segment off with jokes. So I appreciate the humor that you <laughs> that you put in front of us, uh, especially that last one from Tuckums. Uh, but look, the the reality of it is, where are they going to go? <laughs> Dude, you put yourself in the middle of the Pacific Ocean in on you know on the good ship Lolly Trump. Where are you going? Oh, it, there's no one there to rescue you. You you passed up every little dinghy that came by to say, "Y'all gonna need to jump off." Where are you going? Of course, they're going to double down, triple down. They have no place else to go. Their futures are inextricably tied to this to this MAGA grifter. He set it all in motion. They're getting paid. Fox News, who where are they losing their advertisers? Their advertisers are like, okay, here's another check. You know, that so the game works for them. And the disruption, here's the here's the secret. The disruption is the people. It's us. Right. It's voters. Um, and that's the one thing about this narrative that's so upsetting that people kind of, for them, looking at this and going, you know what, a pox on all of them. We just don't want to play. We've seen this in election cycle after election cycle, and it'll culminate a little bit more in 2024. Stuart, I want to ask you this. When it, when it comes to, you know, Michael said, look, they're all out on a dinghy, right? This, this is Survivor. They're stuck. Jeff Probst or whoever the host is, the survivor is saying, hey, you Republicans are out here. You can't get away. Um, But there is a guy who thinks that he is the dinghy that people can cling to. And that is Ron DeSantis. Now, DeSantis just did an interview with Piers Morgan. And he says, look, he, he, he thinks he's different from Trump. Uh, you know, when you really look at the people like the founding fathers, it's not to say that you don't ever make a mistake in your personal life. But I think what kind of character are you bringing? You know, Stuart, is Ron DeSantis savvy enough Is Ron DeSantis brave enough and does Ron DeSantis have enough support to make himself that life preserver for the Republican organization? Or is he just kind of spinning his wheels right now because he's hoping that nobody notices the fact that he eats pudding with his fingers and wears funny boots? Yeah, you know, I thought that was a bizarre interview. I would have liked to have been in the room when they said, of all the people that we could go in front of, we want to launch an attack against Donald Trump with Piers Morgan, you know, most noted for being an, a, a, a terrific advocate of gun control. Um, it was uh, it had the feel of something that well, wasn't well thought out of sort of frustration. Uh, DeSantis has been going down in the polls. You know, this is. What happened to these politicians in in 16 when they ran against Trump? A lot of them uh, were people who thought a lot of themselves, who'd had some success, but didn't know how to play it at that level and were not used to being attacked. You know, the, the bottom line here is you'll know that someone is serious about beating Donald Trump if they say that Joe Biden is a legally elected president. But, you know, this is how autocratic movements work. You have to pledge loyalty. 
So all of these people have bought into the big lie now. You know, the, the party has said officially you can't enter a debate in the Republican Party if you don't agree, sign a pledge right. to support the nominee. So it's it really is um, a case where the party uh, is where it wants to be. There is not a strong. What happens if you oppose Trump? Right. You're Liz Cheney. She spoke up and. Everybody who uh, who voted against certification has risen. You now right. have Marjorie Taylor Greene, the second most powerful person in the House, and Liz Cheney's out of the uh, thrown out of the party. So, Michael, you know, you've heard me say this. I, I've said this repeatedly. Um, I refer to them as a Republican organization. They're no longer a party. They are right. a dime store front for a terrorist movement called MAGA. And I'm, I'm very committed to that because it's true. You know, any time that you are supporting a violent overthrow of this country, you no longer get the honorific of being called a functional political party in this country. But to the extent that they're still cosplaying as one, um, I do think it's very key that there are certain trials and investigations and legal cases that Trump is dealing with right now that could have implications for their ability to move forward. Do you think that if there is an indictment in, say, the Georgia case, right, mm -hmm. or there's an indictment, uh, you know, what has to do with something like January 6th, do you think that is a point where certain people in the Republican organization might be like, all right, look, this is getting too hot for me? All right. This is now 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 we're in real trouble. I might have to go somewhere else or pipe down a bit. Or do you think that none of these cases will will shake some of these leeches and eels uh, off his boots? You mean they weren't in real trouble after January 6th? <laughs> this is true. If you weren't in real trouble after January, what happened in the in January 6th and the weeks thereafter? when everybody was plaintively saying to the country, oh my God, we, we're done with Trump. This is too much, we've gone too far. They go to the House and Senate floor and they you know, beat their breasts and they pull out their rosy breeds and <laughs> that wasn't enough. And so you think getting indicted in Georgia is going to suddenly, they're gonna go, oh damn. <laughs> I, sh I should have known better. Why didn't I leave before? No. No, they're not. And you're setting the narrative up. You already hear the storylines emerging about how this case, uh, the, the New York case, um, the Stormy Daniels case is, you know, shouldn't have gone first. And that right. anything after it is now going to be weakened by this case. So they're, you know, they're already playing the angles on this. No, they're not quitting themselves of Trump. They're just not. Let us all get over that and now deal in the real. Uh, with what that means going into 2024. Stuart, I've got just a couple seconds before I go to break. I got to ask you about this. We had a report uh, from Hugo in the last minute talking about the fact that sources say that Trump wants to be arrested and put in handcuffs. There are legitimate concerns in the public that uh, something like that will you know, exacerbate tensions and lead to more MAGA terrorists going out in the street and committing acts of violence. Do you think that him showing up and I don't care if he's dressed like the hamburger. I don't think it's going to make a difference. I don't think the jumpsuit matters. But do you think that kind of imagery or that kind of symbolism could be a danger or a rallying cry for a cult that's already pretty focused on the man? Oh, absolutely. Look, the majority of Republicans don't believe that we live in a democracy. They don't believe that, that Joe Biden is a legally elected president. So what does that mean? That means we live in an occupied country. So a certain percentage of these people think not only do they have a right to do whatever it takes to restore what they consider to be democracy, but right. they have an obligation to. And I think it's extraordinarily dangerous.
Michael Steele and Stuart Thevens, thank you so much for being common sense, rational conservatives that we had to speak to tonight. Thank you so much. State of Disunion, an illuminating roundup of just some of the batty culture war legislation being proposed by Republican state lawmakers across the United States. I'll tell you where you should be afraid when we come back in a second. In tonight's State of Disunion, like Phil Collins' Land of Confusion, we're going to talk about what Republicans seem to care most about. You see, when Republicans aren't busy dismissing the rule of law when it comes to Trump, they're busy passing legislation to target issues or minorities that are not even real threats. Ask most Americans and they will tell you that they're most concerned about, I don't know, fair wages, affordable housing, solid schools that are safe for kids, and making sure there's safe water to drink. Republicans, not so much. In Tennessee, Governor Bill Lee, hot off signing legislation policing those dangerous drag queens, has now passed a bill banning a ban on gas stoves. That's right, banning bans on gas stoves. Tennesseans can rest easy because your gas stoves are safe and drag queens won't threaten to cook for your children. But guns, the leading cause of death for American children and teens? I was really concerned about that. In Florida, oh, Florida, the state legislature which has helped keep Floridians from saying gay or reading about Roberto Clemente, now wants to ban any discussion of menstrual cycles in school before the sixth grade. Who cares if menstrual cycles can start as early as third grade? According to those middle-aged male politicians, that's not their problem. That's for their wives to worry about. Florida Republicans say this is a needed tool to fight woke ideology, biology, which they can't even define but has become their excuse for policing pretty much everything that makes them feel icky and uncomfortable, like lady parts or race or the environment. And by the way, later this month, Florida will move to make Don't Say Gay applicable for all public school students, not just the younger kids. I guess sexuality and gender is like Voldemort. You shouldn't mention it at all. Missouri State Legislature, which seems to be in a race with Florida to the bottom, is now considering stripping funding from the state's public libraries because the libraries are fighting back suing to stop a new state law that bans sexually explicit material in school libraries. Let me be clear. Public schools are not pushing pornography on children, and librarians have a right to fight back against censorship, an issue Republicans like to rail about. Instead, Republicans think their time is best spent punishing their own citizens to own the libs. Missouri House has given preliminary approval to legislation banning COVID vaccine requirements. This came after they spent a day debating if the vaccine saves lives. Who cares about the more than one million Americans who died from it or the millions of Americans who are still suffering from long COVID? And in Idaho, the state legislature is moving ahead with a veto-proof majority to reinstate, I'm not making this up, firing squads as the state's alternative method of execution. Who cares if we're in the 21st century and not the 19th century? They want to return to firing squads. Iowa, Idaho, stay stay yourselves. We'll be right back on The Readout. In its quest to tame inflation, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates by a quarter point today to the highest level since 2007. This comes amid economic uncertainty after the recent notable bank failures. NBC's Tom Costello has the latest. 
With its reputation on the line, the nation's central bank today chose the path most anticipated, hiking interest rates for the ninth time in a year, making clear that despite low unemployment, inflation running at 6% is still too high. The process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go and is likely to be bumpy. Today's increase, a quarter point. The Fed was reluctant to raise rates more after three bank failures in recent weeks. Higher interest rates over the past year were a contributing factor to Silicon Valley Bank's collapse after it took a big loss on bond sales. For the first time today, the Fed chair publicly addressed the banking crisis, insisting the cases are isolated. Our banking system is sound and resilient with strong capital and liquidity. On Wall Street, the key indices lost 1.6 percent. Had the Fed not raised rates today, the markets might have inferred that more banks are at risk. Still, the Fed's regulators are under fire for failing to recognize the bank failure warning signs before it was too late. These people have ready access to anything that they need to be able to stop a problem in its tracks. And now it is coming under pretty heavy scrutiny from people saying, where were you? Why weren't you paying attention? Today, Fed Chair Powell promised a thorough review. My only interest is that we identify what went wrong here. How did this happen is the question. What went wrong? Powell says it's clear the Fed needs to strengthen bank supervision and regulation to prevent a repeat of the failures that have undermined confidence in the banking system. NBC's Tom Costello, thank you. And that's tonight's readout. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.